0: Thank you, Brother Eric, very much. I feel honored, absolutely the honor of my life, to be able to pastor this great church. And it is a good church. Amen. And Christians, if you're you're visiting with us, we are so appreciative that you found your way to this house this morning. There's some wonderful, wonderful pastors, wonderful churches across this whole area. But I'm a little biased when I say I think you found your way to one of the best this morning. Amen. Is that okay to be a little bit... And that's not because of me, that's because of the congregation that God has assembled here at Christian Center Church. And uh, he's doing just a mighty work right here in Homosassa. And I, I just invite you to continue to be a part of what God's doing right here in this area. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again, he's just getting started. Amen? Amen. And I also want to say this by way of just waking up yesterday morning and realizing that there was a vicious awful. I don't, I don't care about your politics this morning. Anybody that crosses a border and kills women, children, and uh, elderly people, that's evil. Okay. Yes. I'm just calling it what it is. I'd say that if that happened in Europe. I'd say that if that happened right here in the United States. Wherever it happens when somebody does something like that, I know this man's response is to pray that evildoers would be taken care of. Yes. That people who do evil, and, and make no mistake about it, we are living in evil times, church. Yes. And it also sobers us up to realize that, and I don't know, eschatology speaking, I'm not, you know, I've studied the end times uh, deeply, taught on the end times here at this church. You can go back and listen to those online if you'd like. Um, I think it was last fall or the fall before I lose track of time. But I'm not an expert in it. It's not something I've devoted my entire life to. But I do know this. When I get to the end of the book, we win. Amen. Amen. We win. So you want to be on the winning side because Jesus is coming back soon. If nothing else, and I don't know if this is the beginning of what the Bible talks about as Jacob's trouble. I don't know. But it, it, what it did as I prayed yesterday morning in my office and was just seeing different things start to come in and start to, you know, uh, be released in the media and people that were there and witnesses and things like that. And I just began to, to the, things happen fast, don't they? Yes. Yes. And that's why we have to be ready. And you yes. can see how in the Bible, where all the different nations are coming against Israel yes. on all sides, yes. how that can happen that quickly. Yes. Amen? Yes. Because the enemy is active, but God is greater. Yes. Amen. Amen? The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said very clearly that he came that we may have life and have it abundantly. And I'll say this, if it is getting down towards the end time, and this pastor believes it is, what a time to be alive. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you were chosen for such a time as this, to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, to, to be in his, his service, and to be about the business of the Father, which is seeing people one for eternity. There is a heaven. And there is a hell. And there is no middle ground in the war that's kicking off across this world. You're going to have to pick a side. Amen? Amen? And you got to say, who am I going to serve? Am I going to serve myself and the world and the enemy? Or am I going to serve the living God and His Son, Jesus Christ? And church, stand on the side of truth and stand on the side of God's word. I don't care what culture says. God does not change. Amen. Yeah. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And since we serve a God who does not change, his word does not change. Yeah. And when you're on his side, let me tell you, it doesn't matter what it, how bleak it looks around you or what difficult circumstance you may find yourself in this morning. I'm living proof that if you keep just plugging away and standing in faith, my God comes through. You say you're awful fired up this morning. I am because I am so appreciative of being in the kingdom for such a time as this and God placing me with people. You're not here by accident this morning. Amen? Amen. you were born for such a time as this. Some of you have gotten up into the years where you're retired, and I just turned 50 in in April, and I'm a little sore at some of you for not warning me that you can go to bed healthy and wake up injured. (laughs) I had no idea. I'm like, especially with cold fronts coming through, I can feel a cold front come through for about 20. Anybody else? Okay. So I'm getting to that age where, listen, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, I do not want to limp into heaven the gates i want to slide in with my hair on fire and say wow what a ride lord let's do it again amen and that's what he offers us he offers us and and listen we get our eyes on the enemy and what he is stirring up and all the things he's doing across the world listen we should certainly be cognizant and we should certainly be aware of what he's doing but this this old boy every morning that i wake up i just thank god that i'm breathing I thank God that I'm alive during a time of outpouring of the Holy Spirit because where sin is, grace does much more abound. Amen. Where the enemy comes in, like a flood, my God raises up a standard against him. And we're in the kingdom, and we're of the kingdom, and we're people of the kingdom, and we've been talking about that the last several weeks, that the kingdom of God goes forth like a seed into good soil, which is the soil, I believe, of our hearts, the very center of who you are, the very secret place of who you are. And when that kingdom starts to take hold and rooted, and we're fighting off the enemy stealing our seed, and we're fighting off bad attitudes, and we're fighting off hardness of heart, we're fighting off a seared conscience, we're fighting off the the culture that the, the world would love to put the church into the image of today's culture. But I'm in the room full of people that will stand up for God's truth this morning. Amen? And I thank God. That I'm with the people I am and we're heading in the direction we are and we've been talking about the kingdom and we're going to continue talking about it today. Turn to John 8 if you would. And I'm not going to give you a parable this morning. I felt very strongly led in this direction here. And the title of my message today is don't hang on, just drop it. Everybody say just drop it. (laughs) That's going to be very key for our talk this morning that I'd like to share with you from John 8. John 8 is a story that opens up with the setting of the temple. The Feast of Tabernacles has just um, completed, just finished, seven days. Feast of Tabernacles of the Jews would come together and celebrate the fact that God saw them through the wilderness. His, His fire by night and his cloud by day, the food that he provided, their shoes never even wore out. And God's protection, they celebrated that God is a God who watches over us, who leads and guides us, and brings us to promised land. Amen? amen? John 8, and start down in verse 2, if you would. Or if you're there, say amen. Amen. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, this is being Jesus, and all the people came to him. And he, Jesus, sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman called in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, now full stop and look back this way for just a second. If you're taking notes on your phone, you're taking notes by uh, just mentally taking notes, I want to stop there and point out the importance of this. It's when you read this, it's not just a woman caught in adultery that we see, but we, we also see something that they bring with them so what they bring is going to be very important. And here's where I want you to make a mental note or write this down if you're taking notes. It's important in the story that they leave both of what they brought. The woman caught in adultery. And what else did they bring, y'all? Rock. A stone. Once want you know your pastor goes above and beyond. I was digging around in the dirt right out here in the woods <laughs> this morning looking for a rock. I was amazed. I went out into my yard, and I don't have any rocks in my yard, which probably a good thing, but uh, it's with two teenagers. Amen? But it's going to be important of what they left with the Lord, and I want you to grab hold of that this morning. Verse 4 as we continue. Then they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that, that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down. So second time that he stoops down, and I'm sure this woman would have been right there in eye level because she probably would have been pulled out of the situation of adultery, drugged through town, brought to the temple, Cast in front of Jesus as he's here teaching the people who came at the very break of dawn, probably perhaps a beautiful morning because their festival was in September or October, so the Feast of Tabernacles is is normally in September or October. A beautiful morning, perhaps, just like we experienced this morning with the cooler weather. Sun's breaking on the temple, maybe some beautiful purple clouds. Quiet. Jesus' voice can be heard throughout the entire temple. And he's teaching the people who came to hear what Jesus had to teach that morning. The silence was interrupted. The teaching was interrupted. The the calmness and the peace of Jesus' voice teaching the people was interrupted by a group of men with stones in their hand. A disheveled, probably tear-stained face at this point, woman who's being drugged through the streets, cast down. And Jesus stoops down once, gets back up, stoops down again, and begins to write. They're questioning Jesus on, hey... Moses said, so what they were trying to do is use the law, right? God's law. Everybody say God's law. God has a law. Amen. You guys heard of Murphy's law, right? Anything that can go wrong, will go wrong. Have you heard of Cole's law? It's thinly sliced cabbage. That Uh, that was bad. Okay, 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 okay. That was Note to self, don't ever use that one again. Thank you. Verse 9. Then ho- those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the eldest, even to the last. Everybody say last. And when Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I like to call verse 11 grace with guidance. Amen? We're going to talk about verse 11 a lot because we live in a culture in 2023 where we don't want to call sin, sin. We noticed that, and people love to use that first part, well, Jesus didn't condemn. Because what we have done is we've created a pop culture Jesus. Yeah. 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 You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? What I mean by that is we are really bad. I heard it said one time that in the beginning God created man in his image, and every day henceforth we've returned the favor. <laughs> in other words, we have become, I think, like Aaron's. Who melt down the culture and try to form a golden image and of what Jesus is and who He is and who He said He would be, and it doesn't match up with what God's Word? Because I want—I came to tell you something you may have forgotten in our current culture: adultery is sin, amen. Fornication is sin. Homosexuality is sin, amen. And this isn't to pick on sexual sin this morning. It's to say in this passage, and people take this, and they say, well, see, Jesus didn't condemn her. What we have here, obviously, is a situation where this woman needed grace, but she also needed guidance. Amen? Is anybody thankful for the grace of God this morning that saved you and and, and changed you? But I'm worried that our culture has taken license on grace and used it as an excuse to continue their their lifestyle that God is not approving of, amen, because we have created a God in our image that does not line up with what the word of God says. Because if I'm the devil, okay, if I'm the devil, you cannot cancel God and his word. Does everybody agree with that? You can't do it. Our God is alive and his word is alive. His word is like a living sword, the Bible says, that... So instead of trying to cancel Jesus, if I'm the devil, I'm just going to get the church to try to create a Jesus in an image that does not exist. I mean, we have this image of Jesus because we oftentimes say things like, well, well bless God, he'll, he'll never judge you for your sin. He will never deal with you on the things that you're, you're out there doing. Let me tell you something. God absolutely does and will because he loves you too much to leave you in the junk that you're walking in. Amen. Amen. So we've created a God in the improper image, and here in this passage, we see grace with guidance. In our time together today as we look at this passage, we see the sin of adultery. We see sin that Jesus did not challenge and look at her and say, no, she hasn't done anything wrong. But what we also see is a group of people, a crowd that was listening to Jesus teach, another crowd of religious leaders come along, now how they knew she was caught up in this, I do not know. I don't know if they set it up. I don't know if if on the last night of the festival they had followed her with maybe walking through the streets with another man. I think it does do us uh, a good to look at and say, what in the world were you doing there anyway, right? That's my thought. Yeah. But it's one thing to have assumptions about. Anybody ever have assumptions about people? You just get around them and you, yeah. you kind of say, man, just something not right there. Yeah. Something... Something isn't quite lining up or something just feels off. Maybe it's a gut feeling or an instinct, but this isn't an assumption anymore because this is a totally different situation when the assumption is proven because now we have an action to put with the assumption, right? So it's not just a mishap and Jesus didn't just say, well, you made a mistake. Jesus tells her very clearly in verse 11, it is a sin. Everybody say sin. Sin. And I know in 2023 we don't like to call sin, sin. But can I be honest with you this morning? If the church would just begin to stand up and draw a line against this culture that's trying to move in on God and who he says he is. Because we have created a pop culture Jesus. Do we want a pop culture Jesus or do you want the Jesus of the Bible? Then keep coming to church here because you're going to hear the truth. You're going to hear who Jesus is now. We'll look in just a minute of God's amazing grace, of God's redemptive power. Because these men were bringing her there to trap Jesus and to see her stoned to death. They had no idea they were bringing her to her salvation. Amen? That's an amazing part of the story that I just love. And I think what the enemy tries to offer up to us isn't to cancel Jesus, but to give us an alternative Jesus. One formed in the image of man shaped by our own carnal desires, cast by our social values, fashioned by pop culture, molded by public opinion. It seems to me that Satan is perfectly happy offering a molten image of Jesus forged in the fire of cultural relevance instead of the one described in the Bible. Sometimes we forget that the words of Jesus demanded total allegiance. Amen? He told people in this passage, go and sin no more. He called his followers to pick up their cross daily and follow him. He said he insisted on loving him more than you even love your own family. Amen. He's a God who courted a whip and kicked over tables and kicked people out. Amen. That's Jesus. We have trouble seeing that Jesus in the word because we've allowed culture to create a pop. What would a a pop culture Jesus? He would be. You know, the hipster Jesus, you know, just pat you on the head and follows you around like a puppy. Listen, church, he's the king of the universe. He's a holy God. He's a mighty God. And, 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 and we have like a cross between like Mr. Rogers and Richard Simmons and Snoop Dogg, just so he's cool enough to be relatable, right? That is what creating a Jesus in the image of popular culture does, is it gives us a skewed vision of who Jesus is. And in this passage we love, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. He called sin, sin. That's the first thing that I want to point out today. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4 says, But if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel. And then in Galatians it says, even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Listen, church, we need the Jesus of the Bible again. We need the Jesus that isn't going to pat you on the head and just say it's okay to continue to live the way that you live and to do the things that you do. So yes, I pray today is a convicting message. Because the church needs to wake up, clean up, and be about the Father's business in the day that we're living in. So before we go any farther, you can't use this passage and incorrectly say, well, see, Jesus didn't condemn her. You also have to step back. And he didn't. I want to point that out. He He gave the grace, but he gave the guidance. And some of you understand God's grace. You understand your position. You understand who you are. But just like me, God is digging in and convicting me of a lot of stuff lately. And I thank God for it. Amen? Because God wants his bride to be without spot or wrinkle. At the end, in John seven fifty three, the very end of chapter 7, it says, And everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. So, you had, of course, Jesus. You had the people who came to hear him teach that day. The Bible doesn't give us names. It doesn't give us the name of these men who came dragging the woman. It doesn't give us the name of the woman. We just know that she had been caught in an act of sin. And you had a woman caught in adultery. You had a group of men. And then you have them trying to trap Jesus with the law. So she's caught in the act, but now she's also caught in the middle of something bigger going on. Church, have you ever been caught in the middle of something? Amen. I've been doing this pastoring thing and ministry thing for over 21 years, and I've been caught in the middle of a lot of stuff. (laughs) Friends fighting, church drama, all kinds of different stuff. Have you ever been in the middle of something that you really didn't want to be in the middle of? Amen. Well, this woman that we see here in the story was in the middle. Everybody say the the middle. And in the middle of that, we have God's grace. God's grace shows up in the middle of your worst day. I want to tell you that this morning say, Pastor, you're preaching awful hard on sin. I am, because if you don't let go of that which is destroying you, you will never move further with Christ than what you are right now today. She was caught in the middle. And Jesus, it says, these men who came have the stones, gripping those, probably bigger than this. I mean, they wanted to pick out a really good rock to stone her with. And she's in the middle, probably tear-stained face, disheveled, maybe no shoes. I'm taking a little bit of license and liberty just to paint you a picture of the crowd that was there just to hear Jesus. This crowd of men, doesn't say how many there were, probably at least, probably 8, 9, 10, 12, 15, maybe 20 or 30. And they all have these stones. And right there, and in the middle of that, it says that she's in the middle, which it's tough being in the middle sometimes. But I want to tell you, there's God's grace even in the middle of your worst day. And Jesus, it says, not once but twice, he stoops down. So I kind of get this picture as he stoops down to begin to ride in the dirt. He pretends that he doesn't hear what they're saying because he knows that they're trying to trap him. He stands up again, but right there, probably laying out on the ground, ready, thinking she's going to be stoned, is this woman right in the middle. And Jesus stoops down and lowers himself. And I want to point out and ask you a question this morning. What was the lowest point in your life this morning? Was it that time that the family member died and you just didn't know who you were going to turn to? Was it that time that that person that you were married to came and said, I'm just not in love anymore? Was it when you lost your job? Was it when you lost a loved one? Was it when the promotion didn't come through? Was it when those people said this about you? Whatever it is, I want to point out this morning that God comes down and meets us right where we are. Do you see that? So my question is, what place did you need the God of the universe to stoop down to get in the middle of something that you needed help with? Does anybody in here have God meeting you right there in the middle and coming down? That's the gospel this morning. It's not that we could get to God, but that God came to us. We couldn't get to him. So it says, Emmanuel, God with us, and he stoops down. And I want you to notice this. Up until that point where Jesus bends down, notice the verbiage there. It says, they, them. Everybody say, they, them. Going to hit you with some pronouns this morning. Come on, somebody. When they questioned him, Jesus said to them. Everybody say, "Them." them. And Jesus does what he always does. He moves the conversation because aren't we really good? Listen to me, church. Focus right now on me just for a second. Aren't we really good when we're in a situation to talk about they, them? They did this, and they did that, and well, them over there, if them over there would just straighten up, then we could finally, you know, have a good community, and if they would do that, and it, but the genius of what Jesus does, and I believe he's doing in his church even right now as we sit here today, is Jesus shifts it from they, them, to beginning to write on the ground, and we don't know, and wherever the Bible's silent, I tend to be silent. I don't know what he started to write. I don't know what he began to, to write there in the dirt twice as he stooped down once and then got back down and again. But it says this. It says that literally they were convicted in their conscience. So think about this. They are focused to say, look what she did. Look what they did. Look what them. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And Jesus, in his genius, shifts it around for them to begin to not worry about what everybody else is doing, but what are you doing? Amen? Amen. Amen. It is, it, we, we get so concerned about what the culture's doing and what the world's doing. Listen, if we could just begin to focus back on what our issues are and what Jesus is convicting us of, Jesus is going to take them from they, them to you. Amen? Everybody say me. Me. Not and there's several, a couple hundred people here today. And listen, here's what I want to tell you. The Holy Spirit, because we sit here and, and we, this is, we've all done this. I've done this, especially when I'm sitting on the road with Leah and I'm here and preaching. I'm like, she needs to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Many of you, you've, you've heard me preach something. Many of you are like, man, I wish so-and-so was here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Jesus is pointing it back to them. And he, Jesus is like, look, guys, I know you came as a group effort today, and I'm really appreciative of your group effort with the stones. Great group effort. I give you an A for effort and an A for following some woman around, trying to catch her in the act of adultery. Good job. But let me introduce you to somebody named the Holy Spirit, who Jesus was anointed with. Amen? And they're not having a stare down, church. They're not having a stare down. With her anymore, they're having a stare down with the savior of the world. Yeah. They're now having a stare. He's, he's, he's writing and probably glancing up. And I don't know what he was writing. Per, again, I said I was going to be silent. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it says here, they were convicted in their own yeah. conscience. This is not a group thing. This is now a, met, a, a moment of personal reflection. And I wonder what they were thinking because when they came, they had cover. When they came to Jesus, they had the cover of somebody else's sin, but now God just blew their cover. God is an expert at blowing your cover. Amen? Amen. And, and and it says they were convicted, so they began to rehearse and probably go back through their lives. And I don't think it's an accident that it, It says to the eldest, and it doesn't say to the youngest. It wasn't like the eldest and the next eldest and the next eldest. It just says the eldest first because if you're like me and you start to get up in age, here's my simple philosophy with life. I ain't got time for drama. Anybody else? The older you get, the more you're just like, I ain't got time. He probably thought, man, I ain't got time for all this. What am I even doing here with a big rock in my hand? The psalmist said this, David wrote, search me, O God, try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me. Now think about that particular moment. Someone gets the idea to just drop it. It's equally as important what they brought was important, but as equally important this morning is what they left with the Lord. Someone decided to be the initiator of dropping the stone. You see how I did that, John? Yeah. I almost dropped it the second time. That would have been horribly embarrassing. <laughs> Everybody say first. first. Somebody always has to be the first to step out in forgiveness. Yes. Yes. I'll go a step further. Some, I, tell, I tell my daughter, my son, but especially my daughter... I tell her quite often because she, she comes to me and she's like, God, Dad, I'm, I'm, you know, my heart's breaking about the condition of my school. And my heart's breaking about the condition of friends that I have. And I said, well, that's called a burden from the Lord. So I've been coaching her and telling her, you need to be the one to step out first. If you're in a situation and nobody else wants to pray, be the first. Church, if you come in here and you want to worship God with with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, be the first to get up here and start to praise. Be the first to come to prayer meeting. Be the first to be a church. Be the first because somebody has to be the initiator. And you'd be amazed that when God places you in a family, you may say this morning, nobody else in my family serves or loves God. Be the first. Nobody else in my family ties. Be the first. Everybody else in my family is off living, you know, drunken, raging lives. Be the first to stand up and live for God in your household, your family, your school, your work. Because in this context, there had to be an initiator of saying, I'm going to drop it. Everybody say drop it. it. Because they all came with stones. They all came with an intention to trap Jesus. But also, listen, if, if Jesus would have answered differently... Then they were ready to throw those stones. And then it says, one by one, they began to drop. They come, came as a group. The Holy Spirit begins to convict. And this one, it says to the eldest, again, I think he's just like, man, I'm too old for all this nonsense. See you all later. Peace out. But listen, when you've been around either church or work. I mean, some some of you need to be the first when you're at work, when everybody starts complaining and talking bad about the boss or something. Be the first to step up and say, you know what, I'm blessed. Come on. Somebody has to be the first. I wondered if the eldest maybe started thinking, what if this was my daughter? I have a daughter. And that maybe I thought, just thinking of some things that would have run through my mind if I'd have been the one standing there with the stone. And Jesus says, I tell you what he who doesn 't have any sin, let him go first, and it says they were they their conscience convicted them. I love the story of Paul who was converted Saul who was converted to Paul on the road to Damascus and I love how he starts out you read some of his early writings, his early writings was i 'm the chief of the apostles right <laughs> and then later on down the road, he says i 'm the least of the apostles. And then much later when he was much older and he was mentoring young people, here's actually what he said. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. How many know that life has a way of showing you all the things about you that God was so gracious not to even point out until the time was right? Come on. Amen. So the eldest leaves and one by one they begin to drop their rocks. It doesn't say they go in age order, not what it says. It says from the eldest went first all the way to the last. Everybody say the last. the last. Now imagine this moment right here where forget the crowd, forget the situation, but there's something I think very significant about this one person that would not drop their stone. Because think about it, you cannot get to verses 10 and 11, where he looks at the woman and says, Woman, and it was not a sign of, of any kind of anything against her. Same term he used when he redressed his mom. It was a, listen, it was a, it was a term of respect. This woman who was caught in adultery. You see, you are not ready to ever lovingly deal with sin in anybody else's life until you have come to a heartbreaking moment about it in your life. And you certainly aren't going to be called by the Holy Spirit to lovingly deal with an issue that maybe somebody has a blind spot to or they, they're, just, they're just completely off rails away from God's plan and purpose until you have a heart that says, that could be me right there too. We're never ready to do that until the Holy Spirit has done a thorough work in our own heart. And he's probably sitting there thinking, I thought of some of the things perhaps, and let me just take a little license, this isn't in the Word, but I know me, and, and he had to have been sitting there thinking, well, you know, there was the last guy, it doesn't say about how long, just they began to drop stones from the eldest. And, and I tend to think that this went on for quite a while, and it's almost like, there is a, a, a stare down, not between this man and the woman. He's looking at the woman, ready to stone. He's looking up at the Savior, who's just patiently waiting for, to see what this man's going to do. But, but in our lives, listen to me, in our lives, if we're not careful, we pick up stones all the time in order to do away with people that we think are wrong. Amen? Amen. Listen, this gets down to the rubber meets the road in all of our lives today because some of us have broken relationships with people inside the church. There's people here that you have come here and you left the other church because you got hurt and because you got this or, or this relationship went bad or whatever it is across the spectrum of your life of living, working, raising families and the things that we all do. We all at times pick up stones. And, and here's what we tend to think. I'll, I'll look weak if I drop this i i I'm going to look bad if I just go ahead and let this go let me let me throw this out there. Some scholars believe this he may have been the husband that was cheated on oh. 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 listen there's nothing that stirs up hatred like her. Are you hearing me this morning yeah. There's nothing that stirs up. And and, and if it was or it wasn't, it still shows that there's still perhaps in this very room this morning people who are still holding on to your stone that you would like to see cast towards your enemy. One key from this today is this. Anytime we see someone in sin and don't have compassion for them and what the sin is doing to their very soul, we don't have the right heart in the matter. And until we get the right heart, Jesus' heart, amen? Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote it this way, Anyone who lives beneath the cross and who has discerned in the cross the utter wickedness of all men in his own heart will find that there is no sin that can ever be alien to him. Are you hearing me? When we behold the cross, we also behold our true nature, and that is fallen human beings. And that should break our heart and throw ourselves on the grace and mercy of God. But here's a dangerous thing that all these men standing there had probably said to themselves, holding the stone and walking, to present her to Jesus, to trap him, of course. But this whole thing played out. And one of the most dangerous things we could ever say as a believer, well, I would never. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. The Bible's clear that we should be very careful as Christians how we walk, lest we also be tempted. Yeah. Ye who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, unless you yourself also be tempted. So they're all, the, the crowd that was listening to Jesus teach and the men who had stones in their hand, I'm sure did not have the right heart, the heart that Jesus had, that he plainly told her that neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. And you can't get to verses ten and eleven and her grace-filled conversion. I happen to think that she went on from there and she lived the best life she could. She followed God. I pray that I believe that her her marriage hopefully was restored and everything else that comes along with true repentance and salvation, because when you finally lay that burden of your own sin down, there is a life of strength and power and joy in the Holy Ghost that is available to us. And that's where Jesus was trying to get this woman there. But listen to me. Somebody had to drop the stones. Somebody had to be the first. This woman is in the middle. We've all been in the middle. We've all been at our lowest point. This had to be the very lowest point of this woman's entire life. And as she looks up, she sees a grace-filled Savior that, no, He's not going to pat her on the head and say, well, go out and just keep doing what you're doing. And we're not going to pat you on the head here. Listen, because we always make excuses because we use, we use a they-them mentality in our Christian walk when the Holy Spirit wants to come and say, what about you? Yeah, right. Because we, we do the same thing teenagers do, church. Yeah. My kids, well, they did it. Yeah. Well, 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 Pastor, I know the statistics. 90% of men look at porn. Pastor, I know the statistics. The the majority of church does this or that. Listen, God isn't talking to them. He's talking to you this morning. He's talking to this man this morning. And reminding us that at times we don't get the luxury of just looking out into the world. And because it is. There are demons loose in culture and society that are demons, y'all. The stuff going on is nothing more or less than demonic. And church, those places where, if you've been here any length of the time, what I'm about to say may kind of shock you. I don't know. But those places where culture intersects with the word of God, I am going to hammer those this coming next few months. Do you hear me? Because I have no interest in the culture wars, but there's a spiritual war going on for the very soul of this nation. And our kids, and I said it a few weeks ago, for, for this culture to get to our kids, they should have to come through a church yeah. that is praying and believing and fasting and praying heaven down and hell out. Come on. Yeah. But church, I've got no interest in throwing stones at anybody else when this man's life needs a good introspection of the Holy Ghost on a regular basis. Are you hearing me? So the, and I preached it uh Back after I, in the middle of the summer and I talked to you about how this culture stuff going on should not and cannot come to a place where it's us and them. Because in the scheme of God, it's just us it's fallen individuals that need the grace and the blood and the mercy of a, of a good God. Amen. Amen. I can see this playing out in our personal lives because on one side you have Jesus, on the other side you have the Pharisees. But the group there that day that I'd like to point out, and we can learn from, are the witnesses to this whole thing too. They were just, they were just there to hear from Jesus, to learn from him and follow him. And here they are caught in the middle of an ancient drama. Uh, I'm sure when Jesus is writing, those men drop the rocks, and finally the last one drops it and moves on. I'm sure the people that were there just to hear Jesus teach were like, I wonder if my stuff's going to get exposed. Come on, somebody. And there's one guy. Everybody say one guy. One guy. Look, there's always a last. In your family, this is my encouragement. I prayed everything I'm about to say from here on out. And Alexis, if you'd come back to the piano, please, and just begin to softly play. I thought a lot about this, and, and I believe the Holy Spirit gave me a few words for people here today that there's always a last. I I was the one in my family that after the majority of my immediate family came to Christ and radically got touched and saved, found themselves not in a traditional church, but found themselves in a very wild Pentecostal charismatic church, which was not in my family's DNA at all. We all got spirit fit, but they, they said over the course of that six, eight months, and they would get together at lunch after church, and they would, they'd say, man, I wish Jason was here. And y'all, I've shared my testimony, but I was way out in the world. And the common thing that kept coming back is, you know, we're probably going to, he'll be the last. Jason will always put up that front to resist what God called him to do at 13 years old and ran, ran out of a church service at 13 years old, sweating. My grandfather was preaching on the stage at a at a church camp, and there was probably 3,000 people in that auditorium. And I was in the back, and he was giving an altar call. And I never experienced the conviction, just like these men did that day. Mm-hmm. I never experienced it. You, you, There's some of you here, and I'm going to speak from the Spirit of the Lord for a minute. There's some of you. You've been coming for a few weeks. And when it gets down to this part of the service, man, your heart just starts to beat out of your chest. Those men that Jesus said, he without the first sin let him cast, I'm, I, their hearts had to have just been like, Going back through their lives and thinking of the areas where they've sinned and messed up and mistakes and the things they had said to people and maybe they cheated on their worksheet at work or maybe they gave somebody some grain and said it was a pound of grain for ten shekels and it was not really a pound of grain. There's all those things that they begin to come up into their lives. And I was standing there in that service and I had never experienced the conviction. Listen to me. I want to tell you something this morning. The conviction of God is the greatest gift that could ever be granted to you. Because left to ourselves, we would continue on heading down the path of destruction. I would have continued running from 13 to 23 for 10 years of running from God and running from God. I was in that service and sweat was running down. I thought I was getting sick. Well, I wasn't getting sick. Some of you during this part of the service hide in the bathroom. we got a speaker in the bathroom. y'all. I just want to warn you. There is a speaker. And it is turned all the way up. Because if I know anything about the days that we're living in church, God is convicting people of their sin. God is showing them. And here, here's what the Bible says. It says the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. I spent a week before I gave my heart to the Lord in February of 1997. A solid week of not sleeping, of the alcohol and the drugs I was involved in having no effect on me. That's the power of God. And it's also the power of a praying mama and brothers and aunts and uncles and grandfather. You thank God you had a grandma or grandpa that prayed for you? You're sitting here today because of, of somebody's prayers over your life. I'm going to do that again. I just like that. So this one guy is still standing with this stone. And there's always a last to drop it, isn't there, and everything? Yes. Always a last one to drop it. But let me ask you this question. i move in on you. What are the rocks that you're refusing to release? Oh, didn't mean that to happen. I threw it at George. Because what if in that what if in that story, and I think you can see this, because he is holding on to it, probably probably gripping it even tighter, like, let me get a really good, let me get a really good. Some of you came in here like, I can't wait to give this to them, whoever them is. And you've got hijacked because the Holy Spirit says it's not about them. This is about you and me. Because Jesus for all intents and purposes, is is evidently still stooped down, drawing, writing on the ground. Everybody else is left except the one. And it takes us to a question of when are you going to forgive maybe that pastor that hurt you? When are you going to forgive that family member that maybe did you wrong? When are you going to finally drop the stone that you're holding on to just just because you would have never gotten to verses 10. What if the whole story? What if your whole story this morning is waiting on you to just drop it? Just drop it. No, I'll look weak. No, I, I need to show this person just how angry I am at what they did. I need to show this person. Listen, can I can I tell you that you can trust To put anyone in the hands of God. You just just give them wholeheartedly over to Jesus. And you let him. Deal with the situation. That's called trust. And that's called faith. And you will never be let down by God. When you're operating in trust. And you're operating in faith. Stand with me this morning. I want there to be a. Response today from this. I
1: want there just to literally be
0: just in this moment. Matter of fact, Conrad, go ahead and hit the lights and bring them down if you would. I want to just continue to play Alexis and play a little bit louder, a little bit stronger. I want there to be a holy moment between you and Jesus. Matter of fact, I believe there's even somebody here today as I prayed yesterday and I just had these things start coming up (laughs) some of you need to forgive yourself the stones have been dropped Jesus says neither do I condemn you go and sin no more but some of you are still carrying that scar and that wound I'm telling you the presence of the Holy Spirit just rushed into this place right now in this moment some of you are mad at a denomination of your past I'm telling you I heard it clearly from the spirit of the Lord some of you are mad it's something in your past where you've just been tightly holding on to that stone and you listen you may be the key for the story to end up grace filled and forgiveness and restoration rather than the enemy continuing to lead even somebody further into sin and further away from Him and further into darkness today. But you've got to drop it. You've got to unclench your hand from that stone. Don't miss that Jesus wasn't just showing grace to this woman who was brought to Him. Jesus was showing grace to these men standing in front of Him too. And Jesus has grace for every single person in this room. Bow your head and close your eyes. I want for this to be a moment, not between me and you or you and a church or anything else, but a moment between you and Jesus. And you know that the Holy Spirit has put his finger on something that he has told you to drop. Doesn't mean, listen to me. He called it what it was. He wasn't excuse. Listen, he wasn't excusing the sin He dealt with it with her because it was her issue. But what we do is we allow other people's junk and sin to somehow come against us. And some of you this morning are saying right now in your mind, yeah, but pastor, you don't really understand what they did. I can't forgive this because it was abuse and it's horrible. It does not excuse the sin to forgive and drop your stone this morning. It doesn't excuse it. Listen, the Bible's very clear, church. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's His. So when you drop the stone, you're actually putting it into the hands of the one who can judge with justice. He's a just judge. He knows it all. He knows the inner workings of everybody's mind, heart, and soul. So shoot your hand up if you say, Jesus, I'm dropping this this morning and leaving it here. Anybody? Join me. Amen. Amen. Father, with both hands raised all across everybody, just raise both your hands, God. It's an international sign that, Lord, we're surrendering this right now in this moment today father we're laying that stone of even offense or we're laying that stone of what they did to us or what's that what they said about us or whatever it may be father in this moment I pray that the power of the Holy Ghost would give us the strength to unclench our fist and just drop it right here where we are God god I thank you for your abundant grace I thank you that you met me at my lowest point God God you met me right there at my lowest point bought. And Lord, you lifted me up. You forgave me. You washed me in your blood. You you filled me with your spirit. You filled me with joy and peace, and you have blessed my life. Father, I pray today that God, as we all lay aside our stones this morning, we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, you're still writing our story with loving hands and an eye towards our future. You have given us a hope and and you've given each one a future, but today, Lord, we unload some things. We drop the rocks, and we come to you with grateful hearts that you are doing a work on the inside of each one of us, that you're cleaning us up from sin. God, I pray today that you would give us a true image of the risen Christ, that he has eyes like fire and feet like brass. He's dressed in a white robe, and he carries a sword, and he has a crown upon his head. Jesus, you are awesome, and you are powerful, and you are mighty, and you are a soon and coming king today. God, we we renew and refresh every single place in our lives that may have gotten out of your gaze. Lord, we renew and refresh our commitment to walk this world, not according to the course of the world, but Father, I pray that we would be led by the Spirit of God, and if we do, we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lord, give us a revelation, God, that your grace isn't just to cover sin, but it's to remove it and give us power to live above it, God, today. I pray that over the congregation. God, I pray that you would strengthen us from the inside out, that you would convict us from the inside out, that you would move us into a new place of deeper relationship with you, Father. God, we drop our stones today, and we ask for the introspection and the the gaze. Of the Holy Spirit not to fall on the other person but to fall upon us today. Show us, Lord, where we can where we can be like you in forgiveness and grace and be like you and also standing strong against the enemy and his onslaught, Lord. Father, we stand today in your holy presence, and I pray that you would help us drop it and leave it here, and then this moment we would leave with the weight was on our shoulders coming in it would be released right now jesus thank you lord just just lift your hands and thank you god we thank you this is a holy moment the presence of god or there's there's 200 different stories and circumstances present in front of me but lord you know and i just again speak strength and encouragement and blessing. Over each one of them. Father, I bless this church today. Father, I pray that we are blessed as we've come in, and God, we will be blessed as we go out. That Lord, we'd be blessed in our homes and our families. Would have a hedge of protection over them. Bless our babies, bless our teenagers, bless our sons and our daughters and our grandchildren, God. Father, let a hedge be around them and let the blood of Jesus cover them today, Father. And God, above all, we give you all the honor, praise, and glory for being in this house to hear your word. And Lord, to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life today and in the lives of this congregation. Father, I pray blessings upon them until you bring us back together at the appointed time. God, we love you and we give you all the glory today. It's wonderful to be in your house and to sense your presence and to leave God without carrying those stones. Father, we love you. In Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Go in the name of the Lord, church, and be blessed.